Welcome everybody to the fourth episode of Mike's House. In the building today I have a special guest. His name is Jordan Larson. Uh, Jordan Larson is a very good friend of mine, a mentor, uh, somebody who I've looked up to for a while. Uh, Jordan is an elite strongman and powerlifter. Um, he's done some of the likes of lifting a thousand pounds, which he did last year at the FitCon. He is very knowledgeable, and I'm super excited to have you here, man. Jordan, how you doing? I'm doing good, Mike. Appreciate you having me on here. Absolutely. We got some lifting in today, didn't we? Oh, dude. Yeah, we crushed it today, man. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Jordan, uh, give our listeners a little background about yourself and where you come from. And um, So, I come from California originally, and... Uh, you know, growing up, I I always wanted to be strong, but uh, I, it just never kind of panned out for me. I was, was probably one of the weaker members on my football team. Uh, yeah, so when I got married, um, I wasn't in very good shape, and I, I wanted to fix that. So originally, I got the those P90X videos. Yep, Insanity. Yeah, and uh, did those, and... You know, kind of uh, recomp my body, and, and so that was good. But uh, when I got married, my wife's um, stepdad, he's actually a, he was a bodybuilder. And I was like, holy shit, dude. I want to be 300 pounds of pure fucking muscle. Like, that was the goal. But uh, after a while, chicken and broccoli just wasn't it for me. I, I didn't have the discipline. <laughs> so, uh, you know, training out at... Uh, um, I was training out at Gold's for a long time, you know, trying to just get in with the bodybuilders and such. But uh, I was approached by someone, and they said, "You're pretty strong. You should come do, come do strongman." And I was like, "Yeah, I'll give it a shot." I met up uh, actually, I think seven years ago. Yeah, I've been doing it for seven years now. Um, and you're how old now? I am 28 now. I'll be 29 this year, but. Um, met up and fell in love with it. I love the the moving aspect. I love uh, how you can how you can peak and and just really build yourself up without putting like stupid expectations on like how you should necessarily look. Um, the aesthetics just weren't ever there for me, so I appreciate what I can do with my body without actually having to torture it with mind-numbing food and cardio so yeah well you know it's uh it's kind of interesting uh, one thing i've learned <clears throat> so i've been powerlifting a lot less than you've been doing strongman and powerlifting and in the short time i've done it the one thing I, when i was growing up i always like looked at the olympia magazines the uh the muscle and fitness yeah my dad always got those yeah and i, I wanted to be a bodybuilder that's originally what i set out to do and uh, that kind of fell by the wayside when I started lifting heavier weights. It just was more fun. But one thing I learned is, like, it's actually funny. As I've done powerlifting, I've actually, like, the physique and the aesthetics will come with the movements that you do in powerlifting. Right. The yeah. abs can be there. Um, those are just, like, a secondary thing that happens, uh, if that even makes sense. But it's funny. I've actually, my arms have gotten bigger, for example, and my core Things that I desired when I was a teenager, yeah. I don't so much now. Now I care more about, like, I want to have big quads and make sure I got good hamstrings. And, and I'm more concerned with flexibility more than anything. Right. And so it's funny, like, 
I've actually gotten bigger in those areas now that I actually don't do, uh, I, now that I don't isolate those body parts. Before I was like so concerned, like I gotta have an arm day, I gotta have a chest yep, day. Yep, yep. Had the, the six or seven day split where you were splitting everything up. Yeah, you the know, three reps and on one. Reps on reps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and I'm like, it's funny as I've done powerlifting, um, and I'm sure you can attest to this, I've actually become more conscientious of um, injury prevention and yeah. uh, rest because you know when i when i was body when i started bodybuilding i was doing it when i was deployed in iraq it's like you'd do these crazy three and one splits you'd read about in the arnold encyclopedia of weightlifting yep um, but when you come into powerlifting because you're doing so many you know so much heavy weight you have to you're forced to put more emphasis um if you want to survive in this game on rest and things like that so yeah. it's kind of interesting how that works out yeah, it's definitely interesting. Um, the same happened for me when I when I first applied, not applied, um, but when I first applied myself to bodybuilding, you know, I wanted I wanted to look like Jay Cutler, you know, yeah. just like that V taper with the six pack and like the shredded quads that are like almost 40 inches, you know, but um, I've realized that actually getting in the gym and, you know, investing myself but in a way that like also engages me through heavy lifting um it does a couple things um it obviously keeps me invested and interested in going to the gym because i constantly want to see what i can do with my body um but it also forces me when i start hitting plateaus and stuff to look at certain things that when i was uh beginning i wanted to kind of neglect um i wasn't paying attention to sleep uh, I didn't want to pay attention to diet because that's boring as shit. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to lift weights. And uh, I put in hypertrophy work, but not like I should have. Right. And being a power athlete, um, if you want to make it to the top, you really have to dial your sleep in. Um, you've got to look at your diet, um, look at your electrolyte intake, all that sort of fun stuff. And... Then after the heavy lifting, you've got to put in the work to build the muscle. Hypertrophy is very still much um, a part of uh, the strength game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit boring, so people don't like it as much as, as seeing max efforts on social media. Yeah. But uh, behind the scenes, I promise you those dudes are doing they're doing their volume work. Yeah, and you know, we were talking about in the gym earlier and we were uh, hitting the weights about... So a little bit about this. Um, the one thing uh, to our young listeners and people that are getting started in the powerlifting game, um, not even just young listeners, but people just starting to compete, period, whether it's in strongman or powerlifting, um, you have to fall in love with a lot of those exercises that aren't flashy. Yeah. Um, you know, one we were talking about earlier is uh, my coach has me do isometric holds against pins without mm-hmm. with just the bar and no weight. And that's not a very flashy exercise. Um, it's not going to be, you know, for the gram, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, but those are going to be the exercises I think that a lot of people will find that if you fall <laughs> in love with those, you don't have to love it necessarily. But um, if you at least fake it till you make it and you're and you're doing those to the best of your ability, that those little things all come into place, come full circle when you're when you step on that platform or when you're doing strong. Exactly. Man. Yeah. Um... The things that are not flashy for the gram are the things that are driving those people who 
you probably look up to mm-hmm. to be where they're at. You know, no one likes to post the reverse hypers except Louis Simmons. Um, obviously, because he invented that. Obviously, because he invented yeah. it, so he's trying to push it. Um, no one likes to post that. Um, no one likes to post the variations of rows they're doing. Um, you know, the the behind the scenes core work. You know, occasionally you might see something, but um, it's just it's just kind of sad to see that nowadays we have all these icons and uh, these uh, celebrities in our sport who will post these fantastic lifts, like monstrous, phenomenal lifts, but um, they don't post, and you know, they don't necessarily have to, but it's kind of sad for them not to kind of at least acknowledge, hey man, there was a lot of like behind the scenes work that went into this. Absolutely. Um, and so young kids hop on the gram and they're like, dude, this this dude just squatted a thousand pounds and I see what he's doing. I can see his buildup. So I'm gonna I'm gonna squat doubles because that's how he got to a thousand pounds. Right. Yes, he peaked that way. That was probably his mindset up towards the competition, but that doesn't show the hours in the gym. Um, the stretching, the, the stretching, the mobility, um, the core work, anything that's not flashy and sexy kind of gets thrown by the wayside. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that those athletes necessarily have to um, put out their programming so we can follow it um, verbatim. But it would kind of be nice for some of them to kind of say, hey, look, like you got to put the work in by doing this unsexy shit. To get where I'm at. Right. So this is like segueing into something. Actually, this is perfect. I wanted to talk to you about the import. I I can't stress enough the importance to people of hiring a coach. Like you were talking about, all these like secondary exercises, these accessory movements that you do that all come full circle on competition day. I didn't know what I was, I didn't know about a lot of these. I didn't know what isometric holds were. I didn't know what Cossack squats are with, with a light, you know, uh, kettlebell. And these are things that, you know, before I didn't know about. And so in turn, I was basically doing my own programming and not very, it wasn't, I wouldn't call it even programming. Um, basically I was doing a max effort every week. <laughs> you know, I didn't. Yes. Deload. Yes. What, I remember that. What's, what's deload? What's a, what's a deload? <laughs> um, but it's, it's interesting. Like. You know, my body started breaking down, and it's. I told you this story, but literally two weeks after I hired a coach, sure enough, I tore my pec, and my coach didn't have enough time to work with me and get the program yeah. going. And yeah. so by then, I had already done the damage. My tendon was stressed because every week I was trying to go for a bench max, and so in turn, I just ruptured that. Um, but as soon as my coach, I hired a coach, one thing I realized is like, A, they're going to teach you how to program. B, they're going to teach you how to sleep. C, eat. D, they're going to teach you how to do all those stretches and secondary movements and accessory exercises. Right. So tell you have a coach, right? Even you have a coach. Or, uh, well, a mentor of some sort, I guess. Yes. Um, I, get my, I get my program from, from a good friend of mine. But um, for me, a coach is an essential. But you really have to be careful at the same time. Because that market is saturated with a bunch of people 
who cookie cutter programs cookie cutter programs they just want to make a quick buck they're not really invested in growing you they're just invested in getting enough prs out of you to put you on their social media platform so they can get more clientele and for me fuck that like you're not helping me out you're you're helping yourself out in the short run but honestly the great coaches are the ones that are producing these these athletes but also keeping them healthy and progressing long-term. Anyone who promises getting on your program and these immediate PRs is selling shit. Absolutely. And it's going to hurt you. So coaches, yes, are very essential, but just use caution. Research your coach. Um, go down their feed. Um, if, if all they're posting is, is PRs, you know, they might not have your best... Uh, your best interest. Your best interest in mind. You know, even uh, Thor, the the mountains coach, um, he posts him doing his off-season stuff. I remember him posting him doing those deficit snatch grip deadlifts at 500 pounds. The dude who's going for the the 1,100-pound um, deadlift to beat Eddie Hall is deadlifting 500 pounds off-season. So if he can drop his ego... And understand to build himself up. We have to do that too. The drop in the ego part. Save that for in a couple minutes because I did want to talk about that. Cool. Uh, the importance of that. Um, but I, I wanted to comment. So it's interesting. I have people that will message me and be like, "What do you do for your program?" And this, and I'm going to bring this full circle into what how this ties into what a good coach is. The reason I know that my coach is good is because I'm actually not able to tell them what specific program I follow. Now, what I mean by that is week to week, it changes. My coaches constantly ask me, how does your body feel? Well, you know, this week, my psoas hurts. All right, we're going to do a deload week. So everything, the reason I know that my coach is good and the mark of a true coach is everything's customized. If they're really taking time to invest in your health, it's going to be different every week. If you have a coach that's like, oh, man, that sucks. Do some stretching. Okay, here's what we have next week. You're going to go into this. No, my coach is going to be like, oh, we need to open up the hips more. Let's do some Cossack squats because that's going to help, you know. And so there's all these different things. So it's really hard to tell people, like, there's not one program I follow. I just have a really good coach who knows um, where my peaks and lows are. And he customs, he tailors everything to that. Um, and that's really important is your coach, having a coach that listens to when you're in pain, when to dial it back. And if you have a coach that's not giving you deload weeks, at least three of them in a pre- a twelve week prep program, uh, it's probably not not a good sign. Yeah, that is like actually the signature of a good coach is it's week by week or day by day programming, and the reason for that is is because they can take in, um, you know, how are you not how's your body feeling? You're feeling good, okay? How are you mentally? Like, was this a stressful week at work? Because, believe it or not, your mental state plays a lot into what you're going to do on the platform. Um, If you aren't sleeping, if you're stressed out of your mind, um, they can either look at that and say, okay, you have some aggression. You need to get that out. So we might push it a little bit. Or, you know, maybe something traumatic happened. They can say, you know what, we need to dial this back and, like, get you... You're not focused. You're not ready to hit those... Those heavy weights. Right. So you're not dialed in. We're going to just kind of dial back. 
Um, so that's a sign of a of a good coach who is invested in your success and not just like, hey, my my man Mike over here, I got him to PR on his deadlift, buy my program for fifty bucks. Why? Yeah. Well, and um, you know that I lost my train of thought, but basically uh, going into. Uh, Oh, yes, I remember, Jordan. We were going to talk about uh, dropping the ego a little bit. Um, and this is like where a coach comes into play, too. You got to have – see, I have a good working relationship with my coach, but also he's my friend. But I also know he's not a yes man. You know, he's going to tell me those times where um, this is not the week to do <clears throat> this or, you know, he, he calls me on my um, – calls me on my bullshit, basically. Um, Absolutely. When I first hired my coach, like, I – he completely like tore everything down I was doing and said, dude, we need to go back to level zero to the point where like I had a, when I hired him, I think the most I'd done in the gym was like six seventy five, and barely like weak knees yeah, shaking everything. Yeah. And dude, he completely like did an ego check. He's like, Hey, we're going to start out by doing like sets of three fifteen for like speed. And I was like, whoa. And I didn't like it at yeah, first. Yeah, the knee-jerk reaction is like, fuck you, dude. I'm stronger than that. Yeah. And then not only that, I love to be in the gym. One of the hardest things, like when I first started with Coach, was him telling me, like, guess what? We're only going to lift three days a week. What? No. i got to be hitting it, like, yeah. five days a week. Yeah. And so I want you to tell, talk a little bit about, you know, how you feel on this subject. Because I, I just feel it's so important to drop your ego sometimes and, like, know... Know when it's not your time and when it is your time to, to shine, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, ego is probably the biggest cause of all the um, plateaus that people hit. Because um, after you have to realize that you're human and this sport or any sport puts stresses on your body, correct? Right. So, after a period of time, you need to rebuild. Um, it's not because you're weak. It's not because you can't do those weights. Um, it's because your body needs to take a breather and you need to work on your hypertrophy, your muscle building. You think about it, the more muscle you have the more weight you can lift. That's why you got off-season bodybuilders who are inclined benching 500 pounds for reps. You know, they're not training for strength, but they've put in their time and work for that hypertrophy that they have that mass muscle that can move the weight. Mm. Um, and I really liked what you posted the other day um, with Greg Panora. There was that quote where he was talking about hiring... Um, a coach versus doing your own programming. Oh yeah, he says um, when you are writing your own programming, it's bullshit because you're factoring in. Oh, I might not want to go a hundred percent trained yeah. hard this day. You know what? You know what really sucks is putting in work. Yeah, putting in work sucks, and you know what gets in the way of that? Your ego. How much easier is it to do work up to a single of seven hundred pounds or whatever on the deadlift? It's fun. It's easy. You might feel a little bit taxed and tired the next day, but like you get the five minutes between reps and like it's comfortable for you to do that and move the weight. Um, it's not easy for you to cut down your rest. And for instance, 
Um, I've pulled a thousand pounds. Um, I'm dealing with some injuries right now. So what did I have to do? I really had to eat my ego and it doesn't taste good and it sucks. But um, today I did 10 sets of six on those deficit snatch grip deadlifts. Right. And I only did it at 425 pounds. Mm-hmm. So um, it's not fun. But I know eventually this is about the long term for me. Yeah. You know, if you, if you, if you want it now, I don't have the solution for you. Mm-hmm. But if you want to be great in um, six months, in a year, see what you can do. See what you can build yourself up to your potential, not your immediate potential, but your long-term potential. You have to put work in and really build yourself, you know. You can't just constantly be stacking stacking blocks. Eventually it'll tip over. You gotta you gotta be smart, build a foundation to go up with. That's and aside and aside from um ego's not just with how much weight you can lift. We're talking ego like sometimes um, this. Was, now I don't have a hard time doing this at all because I just have that relationship with my coach and that trust in what he's doing. Um, but in the beginning, it was hard for me to admit the days like, you know what, coach? I just got the program you just sent over. Today's not my day. I've had a stressful day at work. I didn't sleep right last night. That in and of itself is swallow. It's dropping your ego, having the ability to say like, you know what? I'm going to live to lift another day. I tell people that all the time. That's my motto is live to lift another day. Right. And so there was times where I had to tell them like, dude, I just have too much going on in my life right now. Um, can we wait till tomorrow? Guess what? Any good coach is going to be, is going to be like, you know what, dude, thanks for telling me that. And then also coaches are there because they're going to watch videos of your form. When you send them the videos or they're there watching you, they can tell by your mechanics that you're getting tired and they're the ones exactly. that are going to step in and say, hey, I know you want to go hard. I know you're excited for this contest prep, but next week you need a deload week, dude. Yep. Your, your mechanics are shitty right now. Uh, your your form went soft on that third rep. And so those are just some things like – and that's the mark of like real true strength is like being able to have self-discipline. The self-discipline to drop your ego and say, you know what? This is not my day. Um. Something I wanted to talk to you, uh, we're going to segue into something completely different. So last year you deadlifted 1,000 pounds. Yes. What goes into the mental preparation? You talked about this earlier. It's, I know for me, um, my last competition, pulling 766, I had to almost take myself into like a dark dimension. I mean it in the best way possible, but like another dimension in my mind of yeah. just take people through the mind of like an uh, coming through from you like an elite powerlifter what that is like what you have to do to get yourself prepared you know honestly i wish that uh i wish i had something um fantastic laid out and that this would sound like something from a movie you know like cue the rocky bubba theme song yeah. <laughs> you know like i was just cruising but a lot of it um was definitely putting in the work Putting the work in was crucial, but I mean, even putting in the work, there was most of that buildup was constant fear. It was doubt. Um, I asked, I kept asking and re-asking everyone around me, like, am I just kidding myself? Do you think I can do this? 
you know, at the time, only seven men had ever pulled it in in the history of the earth, you know. And so, me being an amateur competitor, um, being not very well known, I I thought I'd spoken out too soon and made promises that uh, I couldn't keep up with. And I really, there were peaks in the gym where I was like, you know what, I just did such and such today. It's there. It's definitely there. But um, the week of, uh, the week before I pulled it, like, it's just a mental battle. Um, At least it was for me. You know, this isn't, you know, I'm sure there are guys who walk up on the, the podium and they just crush it and, you know, brush it off because they, they knew it was there. But for me, it was so mental and it was so draining to try to like bring myself to that intensity that I needed to. There's just doubt. There was fear. Um, just a lot of mixed, mixed emotions and, um, the day of, I, I just kind of had to tune it all out. So, um, in the warmups, you can, you can kind of see, um, well, you could see, you can't see, I don't have film of it, but, uh, during the warmups, dude, weight was actually moving pretty good, which for me isn't necessarily a good sign. I know that seems kind of, um, counterintuitive, yeah. but, um, sometimes for me, when the weights move like shit in the, in the warmup room, they actually start feeling better out right. on the platform. But they were moving good. So I, I actually was like pretty confident about it, you know. Um, everything's felt like a speed rep. And then I pulled, I think it was like 625, popped my SI joint out. And I kind of was just like, oh shit. Like this is done. Yeah. Like I talked this big game and now I'm fucked. Um, so I had to have it re-popped in. I had to literally bring the weight back down to 315 and start ramping up again. I go out there, and my first pull at 9.15, it moved slow as shit. And so I stepped back, and I was I was just like, this is it. Like, I'm going to go out there, and I'm just going to bomb in front of everyone after, after everything I said, after all this hype, after all this buildup, all these people promoting me. It's just not going to happen. I'm going to let people down. Um... But then, like you were talking about, there's that place that you kind of have to go. Um, I'm lucky for me that I have a great wife. And um, she came over to me. And my mom was there. And she came over. And they were like, pull your head out of your fucking ass. Like, stop feeling sorry for yourself. No, you didn't pull a speed rep. You didn't impress people. Like, lifting people. Obviously, people are impressed with 900 pounds. But, you know, you didn't impress yourself. So stop fucking feeling sorry for yourself and get right. Get right for the next one. And so there's not necessarily that anger or rage, but there's an intense focus um, where all my thoughts are directed on what I'm going to do um, to lift that weight. And so it comes off as kind of anger or rage or can kind of be misconstrued as that. But I came out at 965, and it was actually I pulled it much faster 
the 915. Funny how that works. It's funny how that works, right? Yeah, yeah. So getting your mental, like I said, mental mentality is such a big part of lifting. Yeah. When you're not right, the weight is not going to come up. Um, so after that, I was kind of like, okay, um, I'm feeling good, but I'm still not sure. And um, I stepped back. This year, as opposed to the years past, they actually gave me a good amount of rest time. I've had years where I've made my second attempt, and obviously no one else is deadlifting when I'm deadlifting. And so they're like, okay, like when are you going to pedal your third attempt? And I'm like, oh shit, it's only been like two or three minutes. I'm exhausted. Um, but they gave me a good amount of rest, and I was really able to focus in. Um, I actually got the my buddy who hosts the event came over, who was also DJing. He's like, what song do I need to put on? Hell yeah. To get you hyped up. And uh, I was like, dude, put on Winds of Plague. Because that shit will fuck your day up. <laughs> like, if you're not hyped up, you put some of that stuff on, man, you're ready to go. Dude, I tell people all the time, uh, <clears throat> there's something about metal and lifting. Like, it's just so empowering. Um, it, I know it's not for everybody, but man, I recommend it. Like, give it a try one of these days when you're in the gym. It, like... There's some days where I, I don't have to even take pre-workout and I just put on some Carnifex and I am you like... You get so amped. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 amazing what, at least for me and obviously for you, what music does to your mentality. Because I heard that song start going. Um, I think it was Kings of Carnage by Winds of Plague. And all of a sudden, I zoned in. And, you know, it helped because my mom came up to me and she, she grabbed me by my face and she said, you got this. I know you have this. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to fucking do it. So walked up, smelled my ammonia salts, which is ammonia salts. It's not cocaine. Um, I, have been, <laughs> I have been accused of using cocaine prior to uh, I'm not snorting cocaine. Um, it's ammonia tablets. So I cracked it open, took a big breath of air, walked up to that bar. Settled in, settled my nerves, um, and then just pulled as hard as I could. And I got it. I knew I, as soon as it came above the knees, everyone starts screaming, and you hear that screaming and intensity. You knew it was, it's mine. And it's mine. And then from there, that, that fear, the doubt, the insecurity, um, all that gone. I locked it out, got the down signal. And then, of course... Um, I passed out after I put the ball. Yeah, I saw that in the video. Like, (laughs) yeah, you went down quick in a hurry. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. By the way, uh, just a side note. Uh, for people that don't know, I've been asked this before. Those things that we sniff, um, it's the same stuff they give to boxers, pretty much. Like when they're knocked out, it's just basically a central nervous system booster. Yeah. Exactly. Um. It does. It does give you a boost. Um. We talked about this earlier in the gym. The, it's important, though, to not use those all the time. You don't want to become dependent. Save it for the big day on the platform for your top sets. Yeah, it kind of just uh, synthetically kicks up your adrenaline. I mean, it doesn't smell good. It definitely does not feel good in your nose. No, you're watering. But like, <laughs> Yeah, you're crying. You're like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have done that. Damn it. Now I can't see anything. But um, it kicks up that adrenaline. It gets you focused and dialed in. Yeah. Um, but if you use it too often, if it's a crutch for you, 
uh, it's not going to be there on game day. You're yeah. going to overstimulate your body prior to what you actually need to do, and that's when people run into problems. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, to stick on the subject of uh, this mind-muscle connection thing we're talking, I wanted people to just get it, and it's, that's why I asked you, like, what is it like to even go to up to lift that much weight? Because um, it's hard to explain to people sometimes. It's hard to put words to it. Uh, for me... You, you mentioned earlier, it's funny how sometimes, like, don't always, like, if your warm-ups before you go on the platform are going slow, don't doubt yourself. Because when I when I warmed up at my last competition, I ran into the same thing. Yeah. I was in the back, and I think, <clears throat> so my opener was 722. So my last warm-up set is I pulled one rep of, I think it was like 680-something, whatever it is in kilos. Yeah. And, um, and it felt really slow. And I had the same thing go through my mind. I said, wait a minute. This is not feeling how it should. There's a lot of other factors going on. I was in a, at a meet where I didn't know everybody there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which, which that can make it hard. Um, especially if you're trying to jump in a group of people you don't Dude. know to warm up. <laughs> I, you know, I, fi- I actually was getting too, cutting it close to like when my flight was going. I finally had to just like, because me with my anxiety, it's hard to like go up and talk to strangers. But uh, I actually had to just force myself to go up like, hey, I need more. Can I can I join in? Can I jump in? Yeah, and that 680, whatever, it it went so slow. But then it's funny how things work. Like, I got my mind right. I took a step back. I said, okay, let's focus on what we need to do. The way that I look at the weight, the weight needs to be moved. There's a job. Go do it. That's just how I, I look at it. And I got my mind right. And then what do you know? I went out there in that 722. It I whipped it back like super hard, like to the point where I looked like, boing, you yeah. know, like that kind of, yeah, yeah. and um, it's just funny how it works. So, so never be doubting yourself, you know, weight can feel different and, you know, with different factors going on. Um, but it's really important. I think some things that you, that I would suggest. So my tradition is I meditate the night before. Um, so that way when I step on the platform, there's nothing really new. I've already seen this scenario a thousand times. So let's do it a thousand and one times. Yeah. It shouldn't be any different. <clears throat> um, I think it was um, Benny Magnuson. Uh, they were asking him what was go- what goes through your head when you, when you lift big weights. And he said, well, I've envisioned myself lifting this weight a million times. And this is just a million and one times. Yeah. It's, like, it's just another rep. I thought that was really powerful um, because it is it is so mental. And literally the week before, I do nothing. I don't go to the gym a week before competition. I'm at home. Um, I'm enjoying playing with my kid. Um, I'm eating every everything I need to eat. I'm making sure I'm getting my sleep in. I'm hydrating. I'm stretching. I'm doing my hot and cold contrast baths. Um, but... Lifting, I don't worry about it. Any outside stress, I kind of put it aside. You want to calm your nervous system as much as possible so that it is peaked and primed to call upon when you need it for that one max effort. Yeah. So that's kind of what was going. Well, in, uh, you know, yeah, and the day before my competition, my competitions, I try to go, and I would suggest this for every. For anybody out there who has a computer, you're just getting started. I would highly suggest going to the morning way. And there's usually, well, USPA always has a, a morning and night, or most uh, federations do. Um, I would really recommend the morning. And that's because it gives you a chance to go weigh in. You don't have to worry about making weight. 
Um, or, or, uh, you don't have to worry about starving yourself till you get to that evening weigh in. Um, you can go eat all day, load up on salt and really, I suggest meditating and taking naps as much as possible. True. Um, you know, something, uh, you touched on something the week of you, you enjoy family time. Yes. Like, oh my gosh, lo and behold, I, I can't believe it. There's actually life outside of powerlifting, right? Yeah. Um, for <laughs> Go me, figure. For me, this is a hobby. And so, I kudos to those dudes who, who this is their life ambition. This is, this is the end all be all. And they're going to sacrifice everything to be the best. That's awesome. Yeah. That is dedication beyond um, normal. But for me... I have a wife that I love, that I have a really great relationship. I've been with her nine years. She supported me through this whole thing. Nine years today, right? Nine years today. Hell yeah. Um, I've got a son. He's two and a half years old. He's to that age where he's asking daddy to come play Legos and stuff. Right. And so when I'm not there, you know, I'm letting them both down. You know, they're both being supportive of me. The So the most beneficial thing I can do for our relationship is come home and be there for them when they need me. So, yeah, I play with my kid. Um, and I actually, like, people ask what I think about, what I thought about before I picked that weight up. And I know Eddie Hall has talked about it, and he said, um, I went to a deep, dark place. I had nasty thoughts. I had to get all that anger and put it into the bar. If that's you, do it. Mm-hmm. But for me... I do this for my wife. I do this for my son. Like, you know how ecstatic I am now that when when my kid grows up, I can say, look what I did. Like, and I was thinking of you when I did it. And you can do this. So for me, I thought about my son. I said, you have to pick this up for him. You got to do it for him. You got to do it for your boy. And so that was my driving force. So... Family is very important to me. I'm not one of those dudes who cast them aside to to set goals. You know, I've always said that, um, yeah, I want to push this as far as I can go, but I also want to dance at his wedding. That's my that's yeah. my aspiration. Yeah, and this is tying into something. It, I know me and you have both seen it. I've seen it in my short time in, in competing in powerlifting. Um, it's, it's knowing when to – it's setting your life up outside of powerlifting so that there's other hobbies – you know, for me, I like to go fishing. I like to go shooting. I like to hang out with my family. I'm setting myself up with hobbies outside of powerlifting so that when it's all said and done, because father time is undefeated, whether you like it or not, people can take all the uh, performance enhancing drugs that they want. You can only put off age for so long, but it's going to hit you. And there's going to come a day where you can't deadlift what you, or bench press or squat what you used to. True. And so it's very important when all that's said and done, it's not going to be there forever. And so if that's all you had, it's going to be a very dark, depressing place when it's all said and done. So I think it's really important that people understand, have other hobbies. Really, in reality, I spend no more than six hours a week in the gym. In the grand scheme of things, in the seven days, six hours is not a lot compared to all those other hours outside the gym. So make sure you're applying yourself to like your job and doing the best of your ability at what you do. I know you do welding. Yep. And I know that you're probably dedicated to your craft. So, like, 
make sure that you're trying just as hard at other things in your life, your relationships, whatever it may might be, just as hard as you are at powerlifting or at strongman. Um, I I like that a lot. Um, this is kind of in the grand scheme of things. This is just it's just a hobby. It's just an activity. If you if you invest your whole identity into this sport. Um, eventually, when you're not at the top of the game, this sport will forget about you. I mean, it's a constantly progressive sport. We're looking for the biggest, meanest, baddest dudes. And so, as soon as you miss a step, you're not on social media, people forget. And it it has caused a lot of lift, a lot of lifters um, to just be in this depressive funk because I can't lift X amount of weight anymore. So then I don't have self-worth. And if I don't have self-worth, I'm not happy. And if I'm not happy, what's the point of living? And it, it spirals down pretty quickly. So do this sport to the best of your ability, have fun. Um, but also don't let it take away your identity or determine your worth. Mm. You are, you're better than that. You have to be better than that. Yeah, and I think it's also like you have a kid. Yeah. And I think the legacy you want to leave behind is that you have no regrets. You at least tried your best. You gave your best at everything you went at. But you also want to show your son like the ability to have like a healthy balance in all things. Right. Um, and but I think it's important to know when to walk away. Like, you know, I've seen you know you know we were talking earlier about. Uh, Bigger, the bigger, faster, stronger documentary. There's that guy that just sleeps out, you know, in his camper outside of Venice Beach Gold's gym, and he's like in his 60s. Maybe I was talking to Bryce about this. Maybe it was Bryce. <laughs> Maybe it was Bryce. <laughs> Shit. Um, yeah, there's the bigger, faster, stronger documentary. It's it's Mark Bell, and he it's basically about like performance enhancing drugs and yeah. There's a guy that he interviews that's been working out at the Venice Beach Gold's gym since like the 60s and 70s. And this dude just like lives out of his van and he just, he's talking to him and this dude is just like, yep, this is the year I come back. Like I'm coming back from this injury and that or wherever he, I can't remember if he was coming back from an injury, but he kept saying like, this is the year, the golden days, the golden days. And man, I I don't want to make assumptions because I don't know, maybe he does hang out with family or something outside, but it looked to me like he didn't have much going on outside that van in the parking lot. So it's just, it was kind of sad to see that. And, but anyways, like we can talk all day about this. Um, but I, I guess the, the main thing is knowing when to walk away, live to lift another day. Like that's yes. the main thing. Just drop your ego. Um, what are some things that you like about powerlifting and strongman, like where it's going? And what are some things that you don't like? I absolutely love the level of strength that uh, people have achieved um, you know, I, I started out in strongman, but, uh, you know, I've kind of crossed over and, uh, started wetting my feet a little bit in powerlifting and, uh, starting to get a little bit more familiar with the guys over there. And holy shit, dude, I saw Dan Bell squat a thousand and three pounds in just knee sleeves, bench, <laughs> bench 578, um, and then... Pull nine hundred and three pounds, and it's it's phenomenal that uh, the human body, 
Right. For you to do one of those, because trust me, I pulled a thousand pounds and the next day I couldn't fucking walk. Like <laughs> I, I was an old man limping around the the um, conventional center. And here's this dude who squats a thousand. Literally, maybe two hours later, almost benches 600 pounds. And then another two hours later, pulls 900 fucking pounds. Like, it's insane on how far we're pushing the envelope. Um, so I like that. What I don't like is how we've, uh, how social media, oh my fuck, how social media <laughs> is being used um, in the sport. Yeah. Um, it's all about sponsorships now. You know, I've had, I've heard a lot of lifters talk about this. Young kids don't give a shit about getting strong anymore. It's how can I get a sponsor? You know, how can I get my name out there through lifting? It's not about like the competition anymore. It's not about being your best self. It's how, how do I get on social media? How do I get likes and followers and, and gimme, gimme, gimme. And so, you know, I hate to beat a dead horse, but, you know, after I pulled a thousand pounds, I, because I don't put enough time into social media and I don't pander to the algorithm, I post what I want, when I want, I don't follow an algorithm or sequence or anything. I got literally no offers for sponsorships. And, you know, I was kind of taken aback by that because I thought someone would be like, dude, you're the eighth man ever to lift that fucking weight. Like, we need you in our brand. And so when it wasn't there, I was kind of disappointed. But at the same time, I didn't start out. I don't lift weights for the sponsorships. Um, And I'm kind of glad that that I kind of stuck to my guns and I and I still post what I want and I don't have to get on my page every couple hours and right. and say, hey man, um, buy these supplements. Not because I believe in them, but because this dude is paying me or giving me free stuff to tell you to buy them. Which, if you believe in the supplements you're pushing or the brand you're pushing, good for you. You're passing along something that means something to you yeah. and I respect that. But if you are selling shit to get shit, you're you're the problem with fucking powerlifting now. Well, you know, um, I'm very fortunate. I, so I, I got involved a little bit after I started competing with One Mission Nutrition. It started out, I was uh, just like an ambassador. And I got behind the brand because I love how they give back to veterans and things like that. How they're veteran focused. And I, I got really lucky because um, now being like an official athlete of theirs, I've never they never push me to like be a salesman or um, they all they ask me is to just be um, be who I am. And I really appreciated that they didn't yeah, they didn't they didn't care about how many followers I have and things like that. So touching on what Jordan's saying, I I think it's important. Like if you do find so happen to find a brand that's um, you believe in and stuff, then go for it. Uh, but also be mindful to make sure that you're not getting involved in the fuckery, you know, of, of the industry. Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, I, I got super fortunate and yeah, like I said, they, they never, 
they don't have like any requirements. They just ask me to be me, and I I appreciate that. And I also appreciate companies that don't exploit veterans and you know say that they give back and they really don't. Yeah, yes. um, yeah. Because there's a lot of that fucking bullshit going on. Um, but yeah, uh, going back to what you were saying, like the feats of strength. <laughs> you know, sometimes I like watch Yuri Belkin. You know, pull these insane amount. He's probably the best powerlifter in the world, but like pound for pound, pound oh. for pound. Yeah, yeah, he'd definitely be. In and I think contention. we, can, yeah, we can agree there. And I watch him, and it's like, what is the limit? Do you think there is a limit, Jordan? Like, are are we gonna see a one eighty one guy in the one eighty one class do like a a thousand pound pull? Like, I mean, where does this does it ever stop, or do you think it'll just keep going, or? You know what? <laughs> They've always put uh, limitations on what we could do physically. Um, Andy Bolton was actually the first dude to pull 1,000 pounds. Um, he pulled it in a suit with a switch grip, which is powerlifting regulation. Um, and I think he did it at the end of a powerlifting meet, which he had already squatted and benched in. And they said, they said that's the limit. That is it. That is what the human body is capable of. No man can go above that. And I'm sure they said that of the first man who pulled 900 pounds. Mm. Um, and then you have Eddie Hall, I don't know, 20 years later, put 100 pounds on that. Yeah. You know, so, again, is there some limitation? Probably. But uh, it, it used to be a big deal to squat 1,000 pounds. Now 1,000-pound squatters are popping up. Yuri Belkin at Big Dogs almost did it himself. Um, obviously he cut it short for whatever reason, didn't get the rep, but dude has balls. He unracked a thousand pounds and went down with it. So, um, is there a limitation physically? Yes. Um, tendons will, and ligaments will tear, um, before the iron, um, gives in. So, <laughs> you know, it's, and it's funny. It, 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 what the funny thing is, right. We're sitting here talking about how, like, you know, but just how the tendons will tear and like under so much pressure from weight. But then it's like when I go to think that somebody else pops up and does something that I thought. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so now what I, this is my prediction for the future, my personal prediction. I think what's going to happen is, I don't necessarily think there's a limit. I think what's going to happen is people will set records and they'll just kind of stay there for a while. Um I, and maybe someone will come along and break it, but does that make sense? I, I kind of feel like... Yeah, absolutely. Okay, like, for example, my weight class, the 242 class, I think what's going to happen is uh, this Jamal Browner fellow, it looks like, you know, he's on, on par to probably break a 1,000 in competition. Yeah, I agree. I, I think what would happen is he'll set it, and then it'll kind of just sit there for a long time. And I think what we'll see is we'll see longer gaps in between records being broken. Is, I yeah, guess that's a better Yeah, absolutely. Um for strongman, you know, everyone has been playing up this, uh, the world championship log, um, log lift. The overhead but, press. Yeah, if you're not familiar with a log, um, check out log lift. Uh, you can find it on YouTube or Instagram. Basically, you're picking up an apparatus that is, it simulates a log that has handles in it that you have to pick up from the ground, roll it up your body and press it overhead. Um, it's a strongman event, and the world record right now, I believe, is 503 pounds. 
Um, and that has been the record for the past six or seven years mm-hmm. held by Zadrunas Savickas. Um, the American record is held by, what's his Instagram? Rob Kearney. The world's strongest gay dude. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he got... Um, 475 or something? 470 some odd pounds. I don't remember what the tailor was. Kilos or something? Is it... Is it kilos, like, translated into pounds with the log press? Or? Yeah, so that um, because it's strongman, and strongman's huge, more so in the UK than it is the US, um, you see a lot more things in kilos, listed in kilos than, than in pounds. So I don't remember. I think it was 471, if I had to, if I had to guess. But um, people have been coming after that 500-pound log press for years now, and... No one has even come close. So that happens. The world championship happens in about three weeks or four weeks. And there's been at least four people who said they're going to take a crack at the record. But that has been a long-standing record. <laughs> That's a lot of damn weight over your head. That is a lot of weight over your head. I mean, part of my warm-up for deadlift is 400 and- something odd pounds and it's just like crazy to think of like okay now it's at my waist now i gotta roll it up my body and press it over my head well the log lift is so deceptive because it's a 12 inch diameter log and so that weight is not like a barbell where it's it's uh right there lined up with hips and shoulders and heels right so um it's 12 inches out like that weight is spread out in front of you. So you yeah. have to learn how to not just press it from A to B like a, like a barbell. You have to learn how to compensate for the weight being that far out in front. Mm-hmm. So for anyone who thinks that, oh, I have a buddy who might have inclined or military breast 500 pounds, not the same thing. It's different. It's way different. Yeah, I mean, even just watching it, it it's, a, it's a complicated lift. I think it's more complicated than people would think. Um I definitely like in a probably in a couple years I'd love to try out a strongman competition and try out myself because it I mean it looks fun to do, and um, but yeah man I I think it's it's just amazing I one thing I love about for all the faults that the sport of powerlifting or strongman might have I'm not in that community but for all the faults that these both these sports have I think the coolest thing about today is I love the talent pool being so deep there. There is monsters in every single weight class, including women's. There is yep. a, there's a, what is her name? Um, she had a unique name. Uh, Mazza sent me her profile the other day. She, anyways, it's this girl with the buffalo bar. She squats three easy reps of five seventy five. Like just okay, I know who you're talking about. I yeah, did you see that with a JP Price or something? Yeah. And it's just like fucking monster. I love I love that women are getting involved in it. I love that people are seeing that powerlifting and strongman it's so healthy that like builds self confidence. It gives you um it gives you the ability to see yourself set goals and then be proud of yourself when you crush those goals. Um, you know, I, I had a problem when I was growing up. I started a lot of things, but I never finished them. Yep. And powerlifting taught me to have that discipline to follow through with what your coach says and what you say you're going to do execute the plan. And then when it comes all full circle, it's the greatest high on earth. Like I posted yesterday on Instagram, when you see yourself accomplish those goals, 
But I love the talent pool. It's so deep right now. There's monsters in every Everywhere. single weight class. And to close out, because um, we got to wrap this up in a few minutes, uh, I want to get your thoughts on this. But you hit it earlier in the gym because um, we talked about a lot of things, and I wish we could get some more on the – and we will next time we talk. But I love I love part of the powerlifting um, challenge is going up against good competition challenging yourself like not getting complacent and going to the same meets over and over not being afraid that's why i went to colorado this past december because i wanted to get into a different pool of competitors and go out there and you know what it was awesome i i got to go up against the guy that pulled 804 wow and you know what that stuff inspires me to do better and i know you touched upon it earlier the importance of that um stepping outside your realm and your comfort zone and Facing different kinds of competition. Yeah, um, it's definitely important um, if you're planning on pushing this sport as far as you can for you to step outside your comfort zone. Um, you know, if you stay in what's comfortable, you're never actually going to grow. Growth actually comes through struggle and strife. Um, ad- adversity builds more character than just uh, staying in your gym and hitting PRs. So if you really want to see um, what you're made of and test your metal, go out, go out of state um, if you can, if you can afford it. Um, find a local competition. Powerlifting has them all the time. Strongman has them all the time. Um, whatever your niche is and see where you're at. Um, you might surprise yourself um, and be further ahead than you thought. Or if you lose... You know what? It's not because you're weak. It's not because you weren't deserving. You didn't work hard enough, whatever. Honestly, take those things, take those mental notes of what you missed or the missteps that you made and make yourself hungry. Get in the gym, fix those, and then come back. That's a great way of testing your progress too. So, yeah, I agree with you. All right. Um so yeah, that wraps up for today. Uh, again, Jordan, I appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, like I said, I really look up to you as a mentor. And, um, dude, your lifting really fucking inspires me. Like when I step in the gym with you guys, you and Kevin and Bryce and Brigham, it just, it really brings out the best in me. And, you know, that goes back around to what we were saying. I, I think it's, it's important for me. That's how I push myself to be better. And, and not, I'm not afraid to like, look at your lifting and, and when you come over and give me advice, like, dude, you got to pull the slack out of the bar. Um, I love that shit. And, um, I appreciate you coming on my podcast. It means a lot. Yeah. Anytime. Let's, let's do it again. We will. All right, guys, that wraps up for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. That was episode four and we'll see you next time.